knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 102, brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear. Today, I'm joined once again by my good buddy, Greg Godfrey of Tethered, and we're talking about the experiences and the review of a new saddle hunter. So stay tuned. Alright, alright. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you all are doing well out there. Hope you're getting a little bit of timber time for those of us that still have a season that is that is ongoing. Uh, for me, you know, personally, I haven't had a, a lot of opportunity to get out here during late season. I did get out uh, once. I guess it was last weekend um, in a rainstorm. It was a quite a. It was kind of a pisser. Um, didn't see a single single deer. So did a did a hunt out of a blind to try to stay out of the weather a little bit uh, along a food source, but to. Uh, but to no avail, I have gotten like a goose hunter in, a, a goose hunt or two in, which has been nice. But I uh, skipped out on that this past weekend just because I had a lot of had a lot of things to kind of catch up on from you know, of course the the holidays were just just passed, and so you kind of take some time off to reset during that time. So the bad part of that is is that usually all the work it doesn't go anywhere; it just kind of piles up for you whenever you uh, and when you get back and kind of back into the flow of things. So that's what I'm kind of dealing with this week, and to have a little bit of a compressed time schedule or a ske- uh, shortened schedule this week is. I'll be leaving on Wednesday evening to head to um, ATA in Louisville. I think I'm saying it right, Louisville. Um, yeah, so I'll be headed out there on on Wednesday. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday, for, for that matter, I'll be in I'll be in Kentucky uh, taking in the ATA show. This will be my second year there, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I'm going to run into a couple buddies out there that I haven't seen in a little while, namely. Uh, the uh, the co-host of this show, uh, Johnny Utah, he'll be out there, and so we're going to get to spend some time together, hopefully record a podcast face-to-face since we don't get to do those face-to-face very often, and then just otherwise try to see what the, what the outdoor industry is kind of launching and, and bringing to the bring into the scene that's new this year. I know that the uh, you know the big news that was on social media this week was the DeQuistos getting back into the game um, with some cryptic uh, social media posts about them kind of making an entrance in with a with a with a new gig, a new company, and I believe they're going to be at ATA too. So it'll be interesting to see what they have there um, and what that company is going to entail. Um, so I'm definitely going to check that out. Otherwise, I have some folks I'm going to meet up with and have some lunch and some you know some some beverages and just some good old fashioned you know hunter buddy camaraderie with some cats. You know, I typically only get to see a handful of times a year, or even you know some cats I only get to see once a year. So. Um, that are, is my; those are my plans for for this week. But 
Today we have a really cool show. Um, I'm really, I was really stoked to, to put this show together. So this is going to be a little bit different of a format than what we have done or what I've done historically. So typically it's like we bring on a guest, um, John and I, or just me, depending on if we, if both of us are on it, you know, kind of go through an interview. I don't like to call it so much an interview as it's more of just a discussion and a conversation about deer hunting and the hunting lifestyle and so forth. But Today, uh, I decided to switch gears a little bit. As I mentioned in the intro, um, Greg Godfrey from Tethered is on today with us. And what we had talked about doing was that, you know, a lot of folks who are thinking about making the switch to saddle hunting were probably a lot like me at first, which was, you know, I was apprehensive about it a little bit um, because it's, you know, something that's completely unfamiliar to me um, that, you know, that I was looking to jump into for this year. And the challenge is, is that all the, you know, information I was gathering and stuff like that was great information. And it was from guys who have been doing it for years. But the problem I kind of had with that was that it's great whenever you've been doing it for years, you have all this knowledge you can share. But I was really looking for someone who was new at saddle hunting to kind of give me their perspective. And there wasn't necessarily a ton of that out there necessarily. Um, And so what I thought would be really cool to do today was to bring Greg back on and have him actually run the podcast and talk to me slash interview me, however we want to frame that, um, about being a new saddle hunter and what my experiences were and kind of review the entire process. Um, Only because I figured that if there are some of you out there that are thinking about getting into saddle hunting, hearing from somebody who is brand new at it and what those immediate challenges were or what those immediate barriers were, even whether they're physically, mentally, or gear-wise, I thought it would be interesting for me to kind of provide that kind of perspective and background. And hopefully... Um, it helps somebody out there make a decision as to whether or not they think it'd be right for them. And, uh, and, and, and hopefully you get some information to help you make those, make those decisions, uh, going forward, whether you're thinking about getting into saddle hunting or, um, you know, different climbing methods or what have you. So in full disclosure, when Greg and I got together, we really kind of intended to record this as, you know, one kind of longer podcast that was on the upfront Greg kind of talking to me about my experiences as a new saddle hunter. And then the second half of it was really intended to be, a conversation of me talking to him about different type of climbing methods that we could use because I'm looking to kind of change that um, for this upcoming years to get into more of a lighter climbing situation, something that might be a little quicker, a little lighter, a little bit more mobile, a little less bulky. Um, and so I wanted to do that as like the second half of the podcast. Well, the first half of the podcast ran pretty long because we had a really great conversation and it took about an hour. Um, and then the second part of like the climbing method aspect of it was really kind of, you know, a half hour to maybe 40 minutes of the worth of another conversation. So um, what I thought we would do with this was just kind of keep the first part with the talking about the new the new Saddle Hunter experience. And then we will release a second part of this podcast probably next week that will be all about, you know, talking to Greg about the different climbing methods that could be used uh, for saddle hunting and what he prefers, what the pros and the cons are of that. So that will be part two. So today we're going to focus on the new Saddle Hunter review. So I just want to kind of give you that full disclosure. Um, that way you kind of knew what the what the topic and the conversation was going to be about. But before we jump into the, all of that, I need to take a quick second to talk about our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. We are brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear, the longest, lastest, fastest cutting toughest tree trimming equipment you have ever used simply put the toughest saws on earth how tough are they tough enough to come with a lifetime warranty and right now when you visit wickedtreegear.com use the promo code truth at checkout and get a 20 percent discount on your wicked purchase this time of year especially if your hunting seasons have closed uh, it's a great time to kind of get out in the timber and do a little bit of lane trimming and uh, trimming up of some trees is, you know, this is, a you know, what the timber is going to look like whenever when next fall slash next November kind of rolls around. So, you know, when you're trimming, 
um, that you're trimming accurately and you're not trimming too much or, or leaving something you should be taking away. So definitely use the uh, promo code truth and head over to wickedtreegear.com and pick up any hand saws, pruners, et cetera, that you might need to, to make that job a little easier. We're also brought to you by Exodus Outdoor Gear. The new Exodus Trek is a byproduct of all consumer voices who have been excited about what Exodus trail cameras have to offer, but just can't fit a $200 camera into their budget. And that's okay. A budget-friendly camera backed by the industry's leading warranty is now here. The Trek comes in at $145. It has the same proprietary shell design as the Lift Series camera, same five-year warranty, and unmatched customer service policies. Photo, video, time-lapse, and hybrid modes, all with a simple single-line backlit LED display. You also get about 20,000 images on one set of lithium batteries. If you'd like to learn more about Exodus uh, trail cameras, check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. If you like what you see, save yourself 20 bucks and use the promo code TRUTH at check out. We were also brought to you by Glacier Coolers, simply the world's finest. Whether you're hunting, camping, or fishing, you'll enjoy smarter design, stronger construction, and superior insulation of Glacier Coolers. Visit them at GlacierCoolers.com, promo code TRUTH at checkout, save yourself 20%. And now, let's get on with the show. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of The Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today I'm joined by my good buddy, you've heard from him before, the man, the myth, the legend behind Tethered, Greg Godfrey. What's going on, man? Oh, man, thanks for having me back on the podcast. Uh, I'm super pumped to be here and I'm excited to talk all things deer hunting. That's right, man. So how how's the, uh, before we jump into all that, we'll do some pleasantries. How's the, uh, so Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you, my buddy. How, how are, uh, how's the, uh, how's the fam doing? How was your holiday? Thank you for asking and Merry Christmas to you as well, even though I guess we're technically past Merry Christmas, but a yeah. Happy New Year would be more appropriate. But yeah, man, it was excellent. Um, had family in town. Uh, I, I had to do the old family switcheroo. My my parents came in from um, Florida, uh, from Pensacola, Florida. We're in Savannah, Georgia, and they, mm-hmm. they drove up and hung out with us for a few days. And then the Sunday before Christmas, they left Sunday morning, and my in-laws came in from Orlando, <laughs> Florida. They drove up Sunday afternoon, and they stayed until after Christmas. So wow. I'm all familyed out. Uh, that was a... Uh, that took up a whole bunch of my time off for the Christmas holidays, so I didn't get as much time in the saddle as I would have liked, but that's okay because it's always good to uh, spend that time with family, especially since we don't get to see them that frequently since we're not in the same same location. But, yeah, yeah. man, it was good. Christmas was great. Uh, I got some really cool stuff. I got a smoker, which I'm Ooh. super pumped about. Yep, nice. I've always wanted to get into it and also got a uh, uh, an e-bike, so nice. I'm pretty pumped to start um, – hunting far away from the roads uh with a bike now so nice. yeah man it was good good christmas holiday for sure how about you it was good man it was a thanks for asking it was a i'm, I'm kind of in the same boat i had in-laws in over christmas um and then they recently left because they're actually going to florida for like the next two months uh, they're retired so they're headed down to i don't really remember where somewhere in south florida um for for, for two months just to kind of hang out lounge around do some beaching some golfing some stuff like that and then I, that was my wife's parents. And then I actually have my parents coming in, uh, in town this weekend, uh, to spend the weekend with us. So I'm not out of the, uh, I'm not out of the parental unit woods quite yet, mm. but, uh, so, soon, uh, but Christmas was good, man. The kiddo got all the, all the cool stuff that she wanted. You know, I got a few things for the, uh, my wife and I don't really get each other, each other gifts for the most part. We usually just kind of play it low key. Um, you know, our gift was basically like we keep, you know, we just bought our house a little over a year ago. So we're just kind of always making updates to the house right now. So that's like, you know, this year I think we were probably going to get new toilets. 
you know, <laughs> for Christmas. You know what I mean? Super so, exciting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. It's like we got a new new paint job and uh, in the, this fall, and we will get new toilets this winter. So that was that's that's Christmas for us. Um, uh, wonderful. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I did get a uh, one contraption since we're you know, on the topic of saddle hunting that we'll be moving into. I did get. A, a hanger to kind of strap around the tree that's like a lot easier than doing like the screw in bit or whatever. And obviously screw ins you can't use for, um, you know, when you're on public in a lot of public land places, you know, so I was always kind of struggling with how to hang all my gear in, you know, cause I, I was making, you know, the DIY method, I was making, you know, tethers on my own with out of like, uh, out of paracord and making my own prusik, you know, and hanging my gear from that and stuff like that. And, you know, DIY, which was fine, but I was like, you know, I really just want something that I can just strap around the tree really quick and have my gear up. And so we do a secret Santa thing with, with my uh, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, well, all my wife's side of the family. And so my brother-in-law got my name and I just sent link. We would do this Elfster thing. Everyone sends like links in the stuff that they would like. And it's like, you know, no more than 25 or 30 bucks or whatever. And uh, he gets my name almost every year. And, uh, nice. yeah. And so he just, he just texts me. He's like, Hey man, I was looking at all those links you have one else. He's like, I got your name again. He's like, just tell me what you want. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, dude, I was like, just give me the hook thing. I was like, that's what I really want. So he got that for me, which is cool. So I'm looking forward to using that. And then, nice. uh, yes. And otherwise, man, I haven't had a chance to get back in the saddle. Um, archer season came back in the 26th, the uh, day after Christmas, but I had to go back to work. Cause you know, I, I started uh, on a new team at work and you know, and uh, have some new new responsibilities at the old jobby job. So I had to kind of get right back to it. And I've been working, you know, the week after Christmas and stuff like that. But I'll be getting out uh, soon enough. So that's kind of the story here for, for Christmas. And then New Year's, we don't really do much. We, we hang out at the house and have, this sounds real 70s. You ready? Mm. We have fondue on New Year's Eve. That's what we do. Okay. Every year. Yeah. <laughs> it's like super seventies, man. We we make fondue, we play cards, hang out with our daughter, and then that's a, that's the extent of our New Year's Eve um, party time. You know. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Fondue is wonderful. That's what I'm saying, man. It's like I spent plenty of years, you know, on a stage on New Year's Eve when I was in the band and stuff like that. So I I kind of enjoy the low key, staying home kind of uh, New Year's Eve events now that I don't have to be out out and about dealing with the uh, the crazies. So, but. I digress. We are here not to talk about Christmas and New Year's Eve, as much fun as those things are. I seem to think that uh, deer hunting and saddle hunting specifically might be even just a little bit more fun than those two topics. So that's what Greg and I are going to jump into today. But before we kind of get this thing kicked off, we're going to have a little bit of a role reversal change here. So announcing it here that this is the first time that I'm relinquishing host control of the podcast and I'm going to turn the host control of the podcast over to Greg for the beginning part of our discussion. So Greg, I am giving you the, the, uh, you know, illustrious honor of, of running this shit show for like the next, next little while. Oh, that's fantastic. And as my (laughs) first official act as the new host of the podcast, we are going to officially change the name for the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes to the Truth from the Saddle podcast. I think it's only fitting. I know. I like it. I like it. So just before we jump in, like the plan was, was that, you know, of of course, I started saddle hunting this year. We had Greg on a couple months ago to talk about the, you know, tethered and the man of saddle and everything that kind of comes with that and, and getting started, right? Um, a lot of times though, you know, at least when you're looking on YouTube and, 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 you know, Greg puts out a ton of great content on his, on his G2 outdoors YouTube channel, as well as the tethered YouTube, YouTube channel. But a lot of times this information I found as a new saddle hunter 
was coming from, you know, guys who have been doing it for a while. And there's some things that like when you've been doing it for a while, you, you might miss things in explanation because it just is second nature to you. Um, and so what I thought was, you know, having Greg back on to kind of talk about some stuff, because I want to talk about my experience saddle hunting and have him kind of interview me to ask a newbie since I'm a noob at this. And then on the second half of the conversation, we're going to kind of switch roles back. And then, you know, we're going to talk to Greg about some different climbing methods because that's one of the things that I really want to kind of up my game on going into next season. So with that, I'm going to turn the reins over to you. I'm going to release control and I am at your mercy at this point. Excellent. I'm so excited. It's about to get crazy up in here. Uh, (laughs) No, but, but what we should do first is what we need to uh, cover um, at the beginning is to go ahead and talk about your setup, what you were using as far as a saddle, uh, what you were using, what style of platform, mm-hmm. and then kind of give a, if you would, just kind of a basic overview of all of the gear that you were using in the saddle setup versus the, the traditional tree stand setup. Okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, the the biggest change for me, obviously, was was the the saddle itself and, and the platform because I didn't really change any of the gear that I typically would take into the tree with me from tree stand to to saddle, which was something that was as a new saddle hunter I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do. I'm, you know, I'm self admittedly one of those guys that probably takes too much stuff into the tree every year. I dump my my bag out at the beginning of the year and I'm like, what things kind of get rid of for this year? And everything makes its way back into the bag. Um, but overall my setup was, I was using the, uh, the, the tethered mana saddle as, as my main saddle as my only saddle. Um, and then as far as the platform goes, I was using the predator platform. Now I did go back and forth a little bit as to whether or not I wanted to use a ring of steps or if I wanted to go with a, with a platform style, um, setup, you know, and, and then talking to Greg, we, we talked about that on the previous podcast. And for me personally, I was trying to kind of keep things as familiar for me as possible. Um, just because this was a new endeavor. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big change, um, you know, going from, uh, I won't say it's, I shouldn't say it's a big change. It's a perceived big change because you think the change you from going from a stand to a saddle is a lot bigger than it really is. Um, but so to kind of, I guess, soothe my mind, if you will, I was trying to keep something that was at least somewhat familiar. And so for me, having a platform that I can have my feet on kind of mimicked the idea of having a stand, um, or something that I was familiar to, uh, and, and I felt like I would just be a little bit more comfortable. So that was the the, the platform setup I, I I went with. As far as ropes and so forth, you know, I, I ran just your basic, you know, two ropes. I ran a, a you know a tree tether, and then I always used a, a lineman's belt when I was when I was climbing. Um, you know, originally I just kind of worked with the prosix that come with the with the with both ropes, um, which is fine, and you can do that. But I eventually made the switch to using the ropeman one. Uh, mechanical prosix because they just made my climb a lot faster, a lot easier, and actually allowed me to do a lot more kind of finite adjustment once I got to climbing height, um, you know, based on whether or not I wanted to lean or whether I wanted to sit. Because, you know, some guys, as, as Greg had mentioned, you know, in our previous discussion, some guys are leaners, some guys are sitters. I kind of go between, I sit some and I lean some. Um, so I like to be, have the freedom to kind of move my, my, my mechanical prosix at whatever distance or whatever height I need it to be at to be comfortable in either the sitting or, or leaning position. Um, once I get into the tree, you know, at the, well, I guess I'll say my climbing method at the moment was just, I was using four lone wolf sticks with a, um, an aider, a one-step aider on, on the very first stick that I, that I, that I modded. Um, lone wolf sticks all had rope mods on them to kind of make it a little lighter. Um, I was using a, an Alps like Western pack because that was the pack that I had that 
actually carried my sticks a little bit better because it was, you know, the saddle and everything is super easy to get in uh, into the timber because I just wear my saddle in. I literally would put my sticks on the back of that pack, strap them on, and I would usually use like one of those night eyes and strap that and wrap that around one of the sticks or one of the one of the straps that's holding the stick, and and that would just kind of be on the back of my pack, and that's how I would walk in. Um, you know, of course, I have have a bow that I took, you know, I take into the tree with me. Some some methods of hanging some stuff I had mentioned right before we started talking about this. I, I was making some um, tethers out of uh, out of paracord to be able to hang gear on and, and make small prosticks with you know uh, carabiners on them so I could hang gear on them while I was in the tree if I was hunting on public land where I couldn't screw in um, into the tree. And then other than that, it's like you know a normal set of binos. Um, you know I would use those, and then I would take you know any type of grunt call into the tree with me as well. And then I would also run an Ozonics unit uh, in the tree as well. So that was kind of my setup. You know I didn't do any filming this year, so there was no taking camera gear into into the tree with me. Um, and that pretty much was my setup. Just you know I would say like ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Every now and then I might, depending on where I was at, I might not take I might not take binos depending on um, if there was a ton of wind and the, and the Ozonics machine wasn't going to really be effective because it was too windy, then I, then I would leave that at home or whatever. But by and large, that was what I took into the tree with me all the time. So. That's, that's excellent. You covered a lot there. There was a couple of points that you hit on that I was going to make sure to, to bring up during the conversation. And the first one is familiarity. You mm-hmm. talked about having that, uh, I call them a pivot style platform, yeah. um, as opposed to a ring style platform or a ring of steps. Um, I think that is a is a key point that you brought up because for guys switching over from a traditional tree stand, uh, it's just that little bit of familiarity, of comfort, of, you know, hey, I'm used to this. It matters. It helps guys make the transition mm-hmm. and it, it makes it makes switching to a saddle um, a little bit more. I don't know if productive is the right word, but attainable maybe. It's a it's a it's a method that you can um, get into the saddle a little bit easier, and, and that familiarity really matters. And then you also talked about uh, leaning versus sitting, which I think is a, a a big topic because guys, a lot of guys um, that use that term, it's thrown around in the saddle hunting community. But if you're just a regular tree stand hunter, you're like what in the world are you talking about? I'm a sitter. Obviously you sit in a stand. So, you know, in a, in a saddle, you can kind of lean back into it. I always use like, you can lean against a pool table or like a a kitchen counter or something. That's kind of the, the geometry of when you're in the stand. And when you have a ring style platform, you can really, or excuse me, a, a pivot style platform, like the predator platform, it really lends itself to leaning comfortably. I have found as I've moved to more of the pivot style platform, the predator platform, that I have developed into more of a sitter. Hmm. When I was hunting uh, out of my DIY uh, sit drag saddles, I tended to lean a lot. Um, probably 80% of the time, I was just kind of leaning up in the tree. But now in the Mantis with the predator platform, it's so comfortable to me that I find myself sitting probably 70% of the time and I'm, and I'm leaning very, uh, not nearly as much as I used to. Did, did you find that same, what would you say your ratio was leaning versus sitting and, and how did that comfort, um, work out for you? Hmm. So it's funny because I actually was the opposite. I started out sitting like probably like 80 to 90% of the time sitting. Like whenever, like at the very beginning of the season when I first started using it, and as the season went, 
I actually started standing probably 80 to 90% of the time and sitting just 10. Like if my knees would start to get sore or something like that and I just needed a break or whatever, then I would sit and then I would sit down. But it's like typically at the beginning of when I first started using it, I was sitting because again, as you were talking, like the familiarity aspect of it at the beginning, a lot of what I was doing was just for peace of mind. It wasn't that acclimating to the saddle was all that hard, you know, or it wasn't um, as challenging as people might, might think that it is. But it was more just mentally, like I was used to sitting, so I started out doing that because I knew I was comfortable in that position, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I went, I started seeing more and more benefits of of standing. Um, I felt like if I needed to look behind me or if I needed to look around the tree in either direction, standing, I could actually do it without making as much movement, I felt like. I felt like I was just a little stealthier standing because I didn't have to make any bigger bigger movements, you know, um, if deer were, were approaching and I needed to stand up or whatever, I was already kind of in, in position. Um, and so it just kind of seemed to work out a little, a little better for me. So a lot of it was, was peace of mind that, and I had a, an experience early on that I got, you know, in my first handful of hunts, I got a kill out of the saddle and it was, it was one of those things. Cause at first when I, a lot of the practicing I did in the preseason was from a seated position, because actually when I run historically, when I'd you know, would hunt out of a tree stand. I typically would prefer to shoot from a seated position. I just felt better sitting to shoot. And so whenever I first started shooting out of the saddle to practice, I was shooting out of a seated position. But then what I kind of found was I was actually a little bit more comfortable as I went standing. And the first kill that I made, I kind of used the tree to hide behind, kind of slipped around instead of shooting on my weak side, which is where the deer was at. The tree was small enough, you know, because as you mentioned, like you gave me your criteria, like you can get into any tree you want, but like you try to keep it to a basketball sized tree or smaller because then you don't have as much in your way. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the, where that really paid dividends for me was, is that it was the right size that I was actually able to shoot back to like probably like one, one thirty shooting on my strong side still, you know what Perfect. I mean? So I, that way it's like I had a very small envelope where I would have to take a weak side shot. And so I found myself like through the hunting season, whenever I would find a tree, you know, I wouldn't choose the tree because of this, but if there was a choice between two different trees that when both of them were equal and one, I could get, I could get a lot of typical strong side shots or weak side shots from my strong side. I would choose that tree over the other one. Before we continue our conversation, let's talk about wicked tree gear saws. Hardcore deer hunters need tools that can keep up. We don't baby our gear, taking on whatever Mother Nature dishes out. Check out Wicked Tree Gear hand saws and pole saws at wickedtreegear.com. Use promo code TRUTH to save yourself 20% on your next Wicked purchase with free ground shipping. And get a saw that's tough enough to work as hard as you hunt. So Yeah, that's, that's, exact, that's exactly what I do. I mean, I try to set up to where I'm taking strong heights strong side shots almost all the time and a lot of yeah. times i'll even set up in trees that i don't even have a weak side shot mm-hmm. due to you know i'll have a bunch of cover um i like to set up in the crotch of a tree or in a multi-trunk tree mm-hmm. and i'll set up where my weak side is blocked a lot of times to where you know i it's back cover breaks up my outline there's a lot of reasons why but mm-hmm. um least of which is you know i don't have to mess with that weak side shot even though like you just mentioned it's totally doable right. um and and Another thing that that I that goes kind of hand in hand with this, with the shoot, the ability to shoot 360 degrees around the tree, is another benefit of the saddles. That while you're doing this and moving around the tree, is the safety aspect. How mm-hmm. long did it take you um, 
from preseason practice until now to where you felt totally confident and secure in the saddle? Was it pretty much immediate? Did you, was it pretty hairy for you at the beginning or did you think, Oh my word, I'm trusting my life to these little ropes or was it pretty much like a, a duck to water? Um, it, it, honestly, by the time I got to the timber, I think I shot out of it three times in my yard, uh, before, okay. before I took it to the timber. And after those three times, like I was, I was comfortable. Like I was, I was good. I was able to move around the tree and do what I needed to do. Um, part of it is, is like what I found was, is like whenever I first got into the saddle and like, and it just, it just feels different. Right. So it's just something that's new. And so you're just trying to acclimate to it. So you always have that apprehension and just like, you know, coach, whenever I played football growing up or whatever, the coach always said, like, if you play scared, you're going to play to get hurt. You know what I mean? Mm. And so I almost felt the same way with the saddle where it's like, I had some awkward moments like in the first like two days that I got into it in my yard because I was being apprehensive and I was actually working against the saddle, if that makes sense. It so does. once I got, once I got like, once I kind of figured out what my body movements needed to be, cause that was really the biggest thing was just like figuring out how to like leverage your body to get the saddle to do what you wanted, it to, wanted it to do. Cause it was ultimately going to do whatever you ask it to do. You just needed to know the language to speak to it. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know go. what I mean? And I so like once I figured out how to like, that it was a lot in my hips and it was a lot in placing my feet and it really had nothing to do with my upper body. Like once I kind of got that mentally, you know, kind of in check and then I, then I was good from there. Then it was like, I was fine to swing out around a tree and move around and move my feet around because I lost, I lost, it's not that I'm not careful, but I lost the apprehension of like, what if my feet slip? You know what I mean? Because I knew that I was tethered in and I'm not going anywhere. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So then at that point I could move confidently. It wasn't like I had an absence of, of being careful because I'm always careful when I'm up off the ground, but I just knew that, you know, I'm tethered into the tree. There's nowhere I can go. Even if I slip, my feet are only going to be a foot from where my, from where my platform is. And it's just a matter of like grabbing the tree with my hands and moving myself back to where my platform is. You know what I mean? Yep. So that was the, that was, you know, I, I kind of, I wouldn't say duck to water cause there was like two or three sessions in the, in the tree in my backyard. And then once that happened, it was literally after my first hunt, I was like, okay, I was like, I got it. Like I know how to maneuver and I feel good in it. And I feel like I can make all my shots and, and get positioned when I need to get positioned when I see deer. So, well, you pretty much followed my advice to new saddle hunters to a T that's exactly what I tell folks to do. I say, get it, you know, don't go straight to the woods. Don't go out and try to, to climb a tree. You know, the first time you've put this thing around your waist, that's just, you're asking for an accident. Um, um, or, probably not an accident because it is pretty safe but you're asking for an uncomfortable sit yeah so go do exactly what clint did if you you know if you guys are looking at getting into a saddle setup do that you know go in the backyard shoot three or four times you know and then you know go a little higher you know go 10 12 feet up and then do all that process again and you will build um the skill set you know i call it saddle shape yeah um just because like you mentioned, there's a different geometry, there's mm-hmm. different pressure. You get support in different parts of your hips and your legs and you use your knees differently and your feet differently. So I just call it getting into saddle shape and mm-hmm. it takes those three to five times of practicing in, in a low threat environment where you really make a lot of money and you, you figure that stuff out. Um, so it yeah. sounds like you did all the right things and uh, now, did you flip upside down or anything so you could learn to <laughs> learn to trust it? I did. Like whenever I first got it and put it, put it, you know, put it on and got in the tree in my yard, I just kind of spent some time. You know, I the one part of the advice I didn't take is I didn't do some. I didn't do it off like eight eight inches to a foot off the ground. It's like I the tree in my backyard that I typically shoot out of. It's I climbed to about 
you know, not super high, like 10 feet and just started working with it up there because I was like, you know, I'm just going to get up there and if I'm going to scare myself, I'm going to do it now. <laughs> you know, yep. I was like that way when I get into the timber and I'm 20 feet off the ground, I'm not, it's not a foreign feeling to me. Um, so I didn't, I, I did kind of test it and kind of flip upside down just to kind of shake on it just to mentally, you know, know that like once I'm in this thing, I'm safe and I'm good to go. Um, but you know, honestly, it's like well, those three sessions I did, it wasn't like I spent hours and hours, you know, shooting those three times. It's like, I got in it, I shot for, you know, maybe 20 minutes, um, each time. And that was about it, you know, enough. That's to all send, it takes. Yeah. Enough you don't to send, have to spend hours. No, no, not at all. And it's like, I, I probably sent each time I probably sent 12 arrows into a target each set. So I probably shot a, a total of like 36 arrows out of it. You know what I mean? And then I was like, all right, I'm ready to hunt. And then like the third hunt I killed. So yeah, I mean that's it's pretty much textbook the way you did it. You know, I always like to tell, to tell folks new new saddle hunters to flip upside down because that's pretty much worst case scenario. If I don't honestly know how you could actually, I don't do know that, either. Yeah, you would have to be trying to do it. You know, maybe if you were getting really acrobatic and you had some branches up up there that you were kind of moving around the tree to maneuver for a strange shot and it slipped. I I don't know how you could go upside down, but. Yeah. The point being is that's pretty much worst case scenario in a saddle is if you were to get inverted and it what it does is it just proves to folks that hey I can't slide out of this thing I'm not going anywhere the I'm you know it's it's the safest way to hunt from an elevated position and once you figure that out and it sounds like you did that early on then it it breeds a lot of confidence and it gives you the ability to to kind of make use of all of the benefits of saddle hunting, you know, like shooting 360 degrees around the tree, et cetera, yeah. hiding behind the tree. Um, so that's super important that you did it. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, and now we're talking, you know, two, three months later that you actually went through and did it the right way. And it sounds like it paid dividends. So, oh, yeah, man. I mean, it was, it was one of those things where I now actually feel more comfortable and confident shooting my bow out of the saddle, because once you kind of get, once you kind of give yourself to it. And it sounds really kind of a hippie way to say it. Um, I actually feel way more sturdy, like in my form when I'm, when I'm mm -hmm. in the saddle. Um, and I, and part of it is like, you just have to l like learn to trust the saddle and let it be kind of like your anchor almost, you know what I mean? Yep. It's like, and once I started, once I figured it out and I, and I figured it out pretty quickly in the tree in my backyard, because I was like, when I'm trying to use my upper body to shoot and I'm trying to fight the saddle, I was like, man, it's, it, I'm, 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 you know, it, I'm, I'm, challenging myself in places where I don't need to be challenged. It's like, I just need to kind of trust the saddle and let it be my base and, and go from there. And really my feet now become, you know, yes, that is, that is technically your base, but it's like most of my weight is still in my saddle when I'm shooting. It's like, I don't take my weight off my feet. Whenever I get into a shooting position, I actually put more of my weight into the saddle and mm -hmm. actually it's, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like you're pinching, not pinching. It's like you're, it's like you're pushing back yeah. your saddle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where you're getting your leverage and that's where you're getting your leverage from and like your and like your structure, I guess is the way to is a better way to say it from a like a bow form, you know, perspective. And so I shoot better out of my saddle than I probably do on the ground at this point. So I agree. And a lot of guys a lot of guys don't see it. You know, they they see pictures, they see videos of guys shooting from it and they go, "Ah, it can't be accurate with that." And so it's good to hear you, you know, as a as a um, nonpartisan third party saying, you know, hey, it really is. If you do try it and you, you do do the proper procedures and get used to it, then yeah, it really is a, a solid a solid shooting system. Now, we, we kind of hit on the safety aspect, which mm -hmm. I really wanted to talk about. So I'm, I'm glad we hit on that. But so there's a few other benefits um, 
big benefits that I'm always preaching to folks about saddle hunting, and I want to get your opinion on both of those. So, yeah. uh, first of all, um, yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and hit both of them, and and you just kind of you just kind of walk through both answers. First of all, is you know you're able to hide behind the tree, so in a, keep the deer the tree trunk in between you and the deer. That's a major benefit of of saddle hunting, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I want to hear your thoughts on that, and then follow that up with. Um, this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Shooting 360 degrees. In a tree stand, it is very difficult to shoot directly behind you. Um, and in a saddle, it's very easy. So talk about hiding behind the tree, using it as part of your camouflage system, and then talk about the ability to shoot 360 degrees if you found either of those things to be a true benefit or not really um yeah 100 percent. like i found it definitely i mean put it this way if i were i won't say if i was in a stand i wouldn't have killed the deer that i had killed but i would have had less of an opportunity because where i would have had to had where i would have had to place my stand i would have kind of been out in the open um there wasn't a whole there was one branch that was kind of below me that would have been the only bit of breakup that i would have had and I would have been kind of out there for all creation to see if they didn't kind of come to that area. And they didn't. They came from the opposite side and cleared some cover. And I still didn't have a shot, but they could have they could have seen me if I was in a stand. Um, so I was able to just kind of hide behind the tree. <clears throat> and I actually drew behind the tree and just kind of kept peeking out. And once the doe cleared the cleared the area, you know, I kind of swung around the tree, like I was saying. And I shot from my strong side, but shot back toward my, my weak side. Because it was probably about a 1 o'clock, a one o'clock shot. Um, and I actually being in the saddle, I was able to kind of, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll try to set my last stick. If I'm using sticks just a little higher than where I place my saddle or I'm sorry, where I place my platform. Cause I'll also use that as an additional step because since I had a little bit of a branch with some, and this was early fall, so there were still leaves on it. I was going to have a hard time clearing it if it came too far under me. So I used that step to kind of, or that extra stick, you know, well, not an extra stick, but just, you know, bringing it up just slightly above where my platform would be placed so I could step on that and get an extra couple inches up. And that was what sealed the deal is I just kind of stepped around on top of that, used the tree to block them um, and got that shot opportunity. But even before that, I had a buck that he, um, that I passed on, um, that rolled up on me and he was coming from behind me to where I was open. Right. I did have a little bit of cover, but not, not a ton. Um, and he got to within five yards, never knew that I was there. And I think in part of it was, is because I was, as I was thinking about it, it's like, and I was actually just talking to, um, I know, you know, Taylor Chamberlain, uh, urban bow hunter. He and yeah. I were, he and I were talking and you know, it was one of those things where it was like, when you're in the saddle and you're kind of leaning back 
and you look up, especially this time of year, your silhouette really just looks like a branch coming off the tree. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that that paid dividends for me as well. I had a, I had a similar instance in Ohio where I had a, there was a tree that I, that I could only have gotten in if I had, if I was in a saddle because the tree was literally no bigger around than my thigh at the base. And was probably about a bigger, a big around, big as round as my calf when I got to climbing height. Right. So it was one of those trees where I'm in and when I lean back, like the tree would lean with me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it was yeah. like, but it was the tree I needed to be in because I was seeing deer over on this, you know, over this, um, old logging road that was all grown up with briars and brush and stuff like that, that they weren't, they were going to, they were basically staying on that side of it and not coming past me. Um, because this historically, this place, they would usually walk by me, but this year, for whatever reason, they weren't. So I made a move over to that side and saw a bunch of deer and passed a couple bucks. And this, you know, on the last day I was there, this buck came to, you know, I think it was eight yards and there was one shooting window right to my strong side, right to my left side. And he stopped and looked up at me and just stood there. And had no clue that I was there. But, I mean, there wasn't anything between he and I. I was just leaned back in, in the saddle like I was a branch and just didn't move and just stood there. You know what I mean? And he just went on his went on his merry way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was it. So, the other thing that let me do, too, is there were, there was another instance where there was a deer that was coming in a, in a, in a position where I was, I thought for sure I was going to get busted. I, did, I just didn't have enough cover. And so, what I ended up doing, it was actually along the side of a food plot at my dad's property. And it was a, an evening hunt and I got into this tree and I just, I didn't trim it out earlier this year and I was rushing to get into the tree and I cut one too many branches whenever I was trimming it and it's not a big tree. So I couldn't get that high into it. It's probably only like maybe 12 feet, you know, in, in terms of height. Mm-hmm. And if the deer came from a particular area, it's like I was wide open and I, I thought they were going to come from the opposite side of me, which is why I cut that branch out. Well, sure enough, they came from the area that I didn't think they would come from and rolled through and I was going to be in some trouble. And so what I ended up doing since I was in a saddle is I just worked my way around the opposite side of the tree and stood and leaned over the other side of the tree where I had cover until they passed me. And I just kept kind of moving with them until they got to a point to where I knew they couldn't see me anymore. And I started working my way back to the opposite side of the tree. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was able I was able to use it in a couple of different ways. I was able to use it one to block me for a shot opportunity. I was able to use it just based basically in how I stand and how I typically stand in it and use it to look like I'm part of the, my surroundings. And then I was able to use it to literally move around the tree with the deer just to kind of continue to stay out of their eyesight until they got to a place where I knew they couldn't see me. So the whole idea of keeping the tree in between you and the deer and being able to use the saddle and your setup as another form of your cover, even when you have limited cover is absolutely 100% true. Like that was something that I used a couple times this year. As far as shooting 360 degrees, um, the only shot that I took was that one that I that I made that kill on. But there is no like there's no shot opportunity that you can't take. Like that shot that I took outside of shooting a directly sh- uh, weak side shot was probably one of the tougher shots you would have to take because it was classic. If you were in a tree stand, it was going to be directly behind you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like where you were going to fight with your fight with your um you were going to fight with your tether you know what i mean because it was going to be on the, on your on your back and you would have to completely spin around and flip it up over top of your head and it was just going to be a pain you know and this was literally grab my bow slide around the left side and let it rip <laughs> you know what i mean and that was and that was all there was to it so i mean as far as shooting around the tree man it's like i don't <clears throat> i don't know how you would how you would get you know i guess a, more shot opportunities other than hunting in a saddle. Like I just don't, I just don't see it. Yeah. It, it, again, man, this, it just, 
I feel a little bit like a proud father right now because you are <laughs> like, you know, you you were you were brand new, man. You yeah. were greenhorn at the beginning of the season, and and you're you're talking about all the things and you're doing all the things that you know a seasoned saddle hunter that you're you're hitting the the things and you're noticing things that a seasoned saddle hunter would notice. So, man, it's you're really you're really selling this product, man. You're selling this <laughs> style of hunting. It's, it really helps people. And I don't even care if you buy a tethered product. I don't care if you make your own. I just want people to understand that saddle hunting really does offer a ton of benefits and, and it will make you a more efficient and a better hunter. Um, and it's, it's comfortable too, right? I mean, yeah. so if you had to, if you had to, to rank it, um, between a, a small portable, uh, hang on tree stand versus a ladder stand versus a, you know, a super comfy summit climbing stand. Mm -hmm. Where, where does saddle hunting rank in terms of comfort compared to those other elevated hunting tools? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny because I've used all those, all those in the past as, as a bunch of people out there listening probably have, you know what I mean? It's like, I've used, you know, I've had a lone wolf climber that I've, that I've liked and used. I've, uh, you know, and typically whenever I was hunting with a hang on and sticks, you know, in the past, it was the small, you know, alpha two, um, with mm -hmm. you know, the lone wolf alpha two with some sticks. And then, you know, this year was into, into the saddle. And I, I think you even mentioned this. It's like, look, if you're, if you're hunting out of like one of those summits or like a lone wolf climber or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and like those things are like taking a, a, a recliner into the tree, you know what I mean? Yep. It's like, and if that's like, if, if that's the level of comfort, then you need, you know, and, and it's just like you said, it's like, you know, a, a smaller stand or a saddle just might not be something that's in your wheelhouse if that's the comfort you require. Like, I get it. You know, I mean, some guys, that's what they want. They want that. They want to be able to lean back and, you know, have like a, a couch up there with them. And that's fine. But for me, it's like I'll, I want to get into some nasty places and some places where you're going to have a chance to see good deer. And a lot of times those are in places where you're not going to have the most suitable trees to get into. And so you have to figure out a new way. And like, so my perspective was the saddle was as comfortable as any small mobile hang on hunting, hunting stand that I've used. Um, there wasn't like, it wasn't like it was uncomfortable. It's like, look, if you're in a small stand and you're in a, and you're in a small tree and you're in tight quarters, you're not, you don't feel like you're at the Ritz. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? It's like, you, you got to give a little to get a little, you know what I mean? You're and there so, to kill a big buck. You're not there right, to be comfortable. Right. Exactly. But, with but that, it doesn't mean you have to be in pain either. Right. It's like, and I wasn't, it's like, I, I felt good. I mean, I was able to do from, from the start. It's like the first hunt I did in the saddle, I did an all day sit. I pulled a, whatever it was, it was early fall. So it was probably like a 14 hour hunt. Oh, you wow. Know, That's you know, ballsy. Yeah. So that was, that was my first hunt. Um, and I was actually that one. I didn't even take my recliner for that one. Okay. So I did 14 hours with the out the recliner. And then once I ended up starting to use the recliner, then it was like a game changer. And then I was like, Oh damn. I was like, I can stay out here all day. I was like, I'm good to go. You know, once I, once I put that on. So, I mean, as far as comfort goes, man, it's, it's, it's equal, if not better than any of the small mobiles that you would, that you would use. Um, maybe those, you know, those, those climbing stands that are kind of the Cadillacs or whatever, you know, you probably would get a little bit more comfort, but you're going to be limited in where you can go and what you can do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the other thing I wanted to add too, is that, you know, just, so just for, for some perspective, it's like, you know, so I hunted out of the saddle, I'd say probably 90% of my hunts this year, there was one tree when I was in Ohio that, that historically I would put a stand in and this year I did. And the reason was was because I, I wanted to start there and then I would carry my saddle and sticks in with me and either just leave them in the timber at that stand or carry them in and out every evening. That way, if I needed to make a move in which I ended up doing, 
I could make my move and not be kind of locked locked into a specific place, but always have that stand there if I needed to make a quick jump back into it, right? So that Makes was sense. kind of my that was kind of my setup. But the other thing was is I ended up wearing my saddle as my safety harness. That way I didn't have to take an additional safety harness with me or anything like that. And I felt way better wearing a saddle in a stand because I ended up just hunting out of the stand like I was like I was saddle hunting only I just had a bigger platform. There you go. You know what I mean because I still wanted to, I still wanted to stand. I still wanted to lean cause I was more comfortable leaning than I was sitting, you know, in the, in the small seat that you have on a, on a mobile stand. Um, so I ended up just hunting it like I would a saddle. But the other thing was too, is that, you know, the way I kind of set it up with having the, having the bridge down to my right side, you know, in, with my mechanical person with the, with the Rotman one, if I happened to slip or something out of that, I wasn't going to fall nearly as far as I would if I was wearing a traditional like tree safety harness tree stand safety harness. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So there was an extra sense of like comfort and safety that I had while I had that on. And it just was a lot less stuff to have on me too, whenever I was doing that. So it's like, if someone out there is listening, it's like, well, I got setups I like to use because I've got them trimmed out for a stand. It's like, that's cool. You can still wear your saddle into it. And I guarantee you, you're going to have a more comfortable hunt wearing your saddle and then use it to hunt saddle style. Because what if a deer comes to you from the backside of the tree? Yeah. Yeah. You're, so you're sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, you yeah. see two or three does come down a trail that maybe you didn't see when you were setting up the spot. And now all of a sudden these deer are coming behind you and you're like, well, crap, mm-hmm. you know, I'm yep. set up the wrong way in this tree stand. So yeah, you could just yep. swing around. That's a great idea. Yep, exactly. And that was exactly what happened to me. The deer were coming from behind me. And so I ended up just sitting, you know, using my saddle in, with the tree stand platform and hunted it just like I was hunting out of a saddle. So I could swing it around the tree and get, you know, if there was a shot opportunity that presented, then I would have the shot opportunity. I wouldn't have to worry about it. So I think there's just a lot of bonuses to hunting out of a saddle and, and adding it to your arsenal. And then, you know, for me making it the primary piece, um, to me, it's just, it, it, it's going to be that going forward just because I saw too many benefits and, um, too many great opportunities with it this year to, to go back from it. So Talk about the reduction in weight and, oh, and what to me a lot of times gets overlooked is the reduction in bulk. Um, yeah. Talk about if if you noticed that, if it was uh, something that made you more efficient, faster, lighter, mm-hmm. less sweaty, et cetera. See, it, did, did that make a difference or is that not really something that mattered to you? No, it did because like especially the spot in Ohio that I was hunting, it's it's a pretty nasty climb straight up. It's not far, but it's, it's, it's uh, short and brutal. So Mm -hmm. it it was, it was, um, much better carrying my saddle and some sticks on my back than it was carrying, carrying a stand. Um, just, especially from a bulk perspective, you know what I mean? It was just like, cause the stand, so like to get my bag, my bag attached to the stand and and like the weight shifting while I'm walking and stuff like that, it just made it a, a pain to climb any type of significant terrain, but using a saddle and just sticks like that stuff just strapped right to my pack pretty easily. And there was really no bulk to move around to throw me off balance or anything like that. So I would get in less sweaty, which was nice. Um, I was able to kind of, you know, pack my um, more conveniently, I guess I should say. I always kind of figured out a way, but more conveniently pack extra clothes on the top of my pack. Um, okay. You know, without having to stand on it because I just had a little bit more room to, to use, mm-hmm. um, which which was nice. Um, yeah, just overall, I mean, I think it's just more convenient. As far as speed of climbing, um, definitely was able to set up faster. It's one of the things I know that the part two of this, we're going to talk about climbing methods and stuff like that. Cause that's still to me, that's where most of my time is lost is in, is, is in the climb, like setting up my platform and stuff. I mean, it's like two seconds, you know what I mean? It's like, and I'm in my yeah. platform ready to go. Um, and it, again, is why I kind of got that strap that I could hang all my gear on once I got into the tree, because that again, for me was another place that I lost time was just 
turning all the screw-ins in or setting up all like yep. the little tethers that I made to hang my gear from and stuff like that. It's just like I was losing time in those places. So those were the things that I noticed as a newbie where I was like, I just kind of ate it as a saddle or as a, uh, as a stand hunter because setting up a stand just took me a little bit of time. So it was like, well, if it takes me an extra five minutes to screw all these things in and whatever, then it just is what it is. But now since I can get in so quickly, that extra five minutes, it's like almost half the amount of time it takes me to get set up. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's like, if I can just cut that down, then it's like, I'm in the tree and done and probably like five to 10 minutes easy, you know what I mean? And completely set up, like set up everything, ready to go release on and ready to shoot a deer. If the, if the opportunity presents. Yeah. And we'll get to this more in depth in, in a moment, like you talked about in this kind of second half when we t- talk about uh, climbing methods. But a lot of times when people have a critique or a con or a negative um, um, attitude towards saddle hunting, a lot of times when I, once I start asking questions and digging into it, what I find is that the real con, the real negativity is the climbing. And mm-hmm. the fact about being mobile versus where, you know, maybe they, they're used to hunting in a in a way where they had everything set up. So yeah. it was walk to the stand, climb the ladder that was already there, sit in the stand, and they're done with it. Yep. Now, however, they're associating, you know, quote unquote saddle hunting with mobile hunting. And it's mm-hmm. it's it's different. And I'm glad you brought that up because and I and I'm I'm excited to talk about that here in a moment because it, it's different. It's Saddle hunting is not climbing. It's not climbing the tree. Now, yeah. saddle hunters are, are kind of famous for figuring out creative ways to climb the tree, which we'll get into here in a minute. But uh, don't confuse if you're looking at being becoming a mobile hunter or being more mobile in your in your hunting strategies. Don't confuse saddle hunting with how you climb the tree because you got to climb the tree. If you're going to hunt mobile, you got to climb the tree, yeah. whether you're using a climber, whether you're using a hang on stand, whether you that stuff you got to figure out anyway yeah Uh, the saddle is separate from that exactly it's like it doesn't matter like mobile hunting is 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 taking all your gear with you and setting it up it's not having a ladder stand and multiple ladder stands to go to right it's not mobile hunting so it's like whether you're you know a guy who you know is you know you know hunts beast style and is using you know dan Enfalt's beast sticks or whatever it's like you're still using sticks you still have to climb the tree or whether you you know using lone wolf and using lone wolf sticks like you're still climbing the tree you know i mean it's like you're still carrying Mm -hmm. sticks with you Mm -hmm. um you know, so those things don't change. That's why for me, like that part of it really wasn't a big deal. I noticed the <clears throat> the time reduction was really in setting up my stand and carrying it up with me because the other thing was too, is like, I just had, you know, whenever I was hunting out of a stand, it's like some guys will carry it up on their back. Right. But it's like, I have my pack and stuff like that. So it's like, for me, I would use a rope and, and, and pull my, <clears throat> pull my stand up to me and set it up. And then I'd pull my bow up to me. And once I got into the stand and, and, you know, hook everything up, but like, you know, I inevitably got my ropes tangled you know, <laughs> whenever I was stand hunting, you know what I mean? It's like, it would piss me off. Like it would almost, I won't say it happened every hunt. Cause I started figuring out a method to like keep them from getting tangled, mm-hmm. but like saddle hunting eliminated that because like I go up my, my platforms on like, you know, is, uh, I'll actually, when I go to climb, I'll set everything up. I'll usually hang my first stick and my second stick and come back down. And then I'll take my platform with the night eyes and I'll actually put it through my, my saddle, like the loop on the side of my, on the side of my uh, saddle, right. Where mm-hmm. my, where my bridge is. And then, you know, I'll have my, my lineman's belt on or my lineman's rope on. And then once I get the height, my saddles hanging or my platforms hanging right there. So I pull off the predator platform, the night eyes, and I actually take the night eyes and put it around my, around my bridge now, because when I'll tether off with my bridge at climbing height, that way I can just kind of be suspended 
and it makes it really easy to work with both hands and stuff like that. And then I'll, you know, attach the night eyes of my platform to my bridge while I'm, while I'm suspended and that'll actually hold it in place for me so I can use both hands to get to, 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 to pull the strap around. It's an elegant little system, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and then from there, it's like, then I just undo it from the night eyes from it and it's, and I'm good to go. And I just climb up into my, into my saddle or into my platform and then I'm, I'm set, you know, and the only, I have my pack on my back and I usually hang that first and then I set up whatever I'm going to hang my bow with, pull that up and then I'm in, you know, and then once I have those things in the tree, then I'll finish putting up like whatever Ozonics or whatever else I'm going to have in the tree with me. I'll finish those things. But those are, that's usually the, the, the process for getting in. Yeah. Yeah. Now, whenever I'm talking about talking to folks about saddle hunting and we go over, you know, kind of all of these things that we've, we've talked about, I always throw in like one little last benefit that most people don't really consider a benefit, but to me, it's, it's actually made a big difference in, in hunting for me. Uh, and that's the aspect of it's fun. Oh, yeah. Now, did you notice that hanging there and being able to kind of move around, which can be a liability too, if you're not careful, because it is so much fun. You can find yourself moving around too much yeah. and, you know, giving your position away. But did you notice a difference? I mean, uh, is it, was it more fun or am I, am I just blowing smoke? No, it's like, I would definitely find myself like swinging back and forth. Like I'd be like, <laughs> like, like a kid, you know what I mean? Like I'd, yep. you're sitting in there for 12, if you're doing an all day sit, you're there for 12 hours, 14 hours, how, however long it is. And sometimes you just, you just need a little mental break to not be like zoned in and focused on the hunt, you know, which, you know, look, you know, someone, some people might call me like not as hardcore of a deer hunter if I lose my focus, but I think everybody does at some point. And I would swing back and forth from the tree and pick my feet up and kind of swing around the tree and like, you know what I mean? See how far around it I can get and just stupid stuff like that. Like just to kind of break up the day a little bit. Um, but it's fun, right? Yeah, it's fun. It, it gives you just a little bit of a mental break, you know what I mean? As opposed to just sitting there and, and staring, you know, the other thing I will say is I was able to nap too, which was like a big thing for me, especially on some of those all day hunts is like being able to catch like a little five, 10 minute cat nap just to kind of refresh myself. So I was, able, right. to, I was able to pull that off too. Oh, there's one other thing I forgot to mention in my setup, and I want to make sure I mention this because I know there's a couple of different ways to do this, but some guys, because if you're sitting, you're going to put your knees up against the tree. Like if you're not, if you don't have something to protect your knees, it can, you know, get sore after a while. So some guys use knee pads. I didn't use knee pads this year. I may switch to knee pads after this year, but what I ended up using wasn't a big padded seat that would go on top of like a lone wolf or an XOP. I actually got an XOP like, you know, seat top. Yeah. And just, I used an old, uh, an old trail camera strap and put it through the loops on that and just strapped it to the tree. That way, when I would sit, I would have that to put my knees up against. So that's the only other thing that I forgot about that I would, that I would bring up into the tree with me. And that usually I would only take if I was going to do an all day hunt, if it was just an evening or a morning sit, then I usually wouldn't take it because you know, if I'm hunting like four to six hours, I'll just stand the whole time. Um, but if it's an all day sit, then I would take that along with me. But this year, I think I'm going to think I'm going to switch to knee pads this year. Yeah, I use knee pads as well. I use Arc'teryx uh, kneecaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used several different pairs throughout the last decade, or several different styles of knee pads, rather. And the Arc'teryx are the smallest, the lightest, and they're not the most comfortable. There are others that I've used that were cushier, um, that that were a little bit more comfortable. But to me, I value I value no bulk and lightweight above everything else yeah so i i tend to find gear that is maybe not the most comfortable but just good enough but that's a great point um i know I don't, have you had um have you had jared schaefer flinging arrows on your podcast not yet i definitely want to have him on at some point because i've watched a bunch of his different 
uh, okay. videos and climbing methods and stuff that he uses. So it's like, I definitely want to have him on. It seems like a, I mean, he obviously knows his stuff when it comes to saddles. Yeah. That dude is a killer. And, um, he uses the, the seat, the pad like mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um, he's one of the, I would say most saddle hunters tend to use knee pads, but mm-hmm. there's, I actually just, just bought a pad and, and kind of DIY'd it a little bit, cut it down. So I didn't have quite as much bulk. Um, but I used it tonight. Actually, I mm-hmm. was hunting tonight, and I used it for the first time tonight, and I really, really liked it. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit more comfortable than knee pads, and uh, a little bit less fussy even than yeah. knee pads. So maybe I'm gonna I definitely need... throw that into the arsenal. Yeah, I was just gonna say maybe I do need to cut it down a little bit because the comfort is there with it. It's just like the size of it is what was kind of I think bothering me was it was just like another big kind of thing that I was putting on my the back of my pack or whatever to carry in, and it wasn't that XOP one's fairly bulky. Yeah, it is. It is fairly bulky. Um, I went with like, you know what, this looks really big and puffy. I was like, that'll probably be pretty comfortable. So yeah. I should have went with something probably a little thinner or smaller profile. But Well, you know, whatever works. But the one that I'm using is uh, it's just a little, the you know, the super, super lightweight little foam. I probably wouldn't be very comfortable if you were sitting on it for very long. But, you know, that they're even like garden, gardening pads. This oh, yeah. It's almost up. like those thermo, thermo whatever that you would use for, like for a turkey hunt to sit on or something like yeah, that. They're yeah, they're really small, and that's what I did. And then I cut it in half because I, my knees aren't that tall. So right, <laughs> I right. cut it in half, and, and, uh, and that's what I'm using. And I used it tonight for the first time, and I was super happy with it. So I, nice. I think I'm definitely going to be using that more. Um, it, nice. Speaking yeah. of Speaking of that what were the what were the helpful resources that helped you other than you know talking to me which was obviously the most helpful resource that you could have encountered right <laughs> what what are some of the other helpful resources that you found whether it was a youtube or somewhere else on the internet or uh it magazine i mean i don't know whatever else you could find to read blog articles what yeah. what were some of the things that helped you figure out some of this stuff um, you know, I definitely, you know, you have, you know, two different YouTube channels. I definitely checked out a bunch and this was actually even before I think I had you on the podcast the first time. So your G2, you know, uh, channel and then your tethered channel. I, I checked out basically all those uh, videos that were related to saddle hunting. Um, I did watch some of Jared's, um, cause he had a lot of really good, uh, really good information, especially whenever it came to like climbing and, and, and set up and stuff like that. He had a lot of good info. Um, there's a guy also, um, I forget his name now. He has a podcast. I think his YouTube channel and his podcast name is called the DIY Hunter. I think if I'm not mistaken, he's a dude. DIY that does, Sportsman. DIY Sportsman. Yeah, that's it. He yep. does, he does a lot of mods. That's kind of like, he's a, it's basically a gear podcast and he's all into like DIY modding, you know, modifying stuff, building his own sticks and just trying to find new and lighter ways to be mobile and stuff like that. So he has a lot of cool stuff on his, um, on his channel as well that I checked out. Uh, a lot of good info there. Um, saddlehunter.com. I mean, it's like, good Lord. It's like, if you want to go somewhere that has like everything you can possibly want to think of under the sun, it's like, that's the place, that's the place to go. You'll fall, you'll fall into a wormhole on that, on that site. <laughs> really, uh, really quickly. For sure. I feel like I lost days, uh, scouring, <laughs> scouring <laughs> through, uh, scouring through, uh, through that. Um, and then some of it was just kind of trial, trial and error, you know? And, and then another big help too is, um, you know, I know you're friends with this guy and we, uh, I had, uh, John Eberhardt on and yeah. had a chance to talk with him and he's been good Lord. He's been saddle hunting as almost as long as I've been alive. You know what I mean? That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not by much. Um, you know, and so he was a great resource and he's just a guy that if you have questions, you know, he's willing to help anybody. So 
um, talking to him as well, you know, getting his perspective on things. Um, and those were basically the places, places that I went to, you know what I mean? It's, you know, I, I thought I found some good guys who knew what they were talking about. And those were just kind of the places I, the wells I kept going back to. Yeah. You hit, you hit all of them, to be honest. I mean, there's several good YouTube channels, which you pointed out. There's saddlehunter.com, which is a crazy, awesome resource. There's, um, the saddle hunter Facebook group, which is really helpful as well. Um, where you can ask questions and get quick feedback from from folks that are experienced and you know that have faced that same problem or question before, and they can help you quickly. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's definitely in the last two years the the resources available for saddle hunters and for those wanting to learn more about it have just kind of blown up. Yeah. And it's it's definitely making it a lot more attainable for fellas to to learn about the system and and to you know figure it out once they get started but you know mm-hmm. any any conversation about saddle hunting and all of the benefits and all of the reasons why you should do it wouldn't be complete if we didn't cover the negative parts as well so yeah. as we as we finalize the very first episode of truth from the saddle podcast <laughs> let's talk about the cons of saddle hunting and and then we can jump into the climbing method discussion that you that we've talked about a few different times. What what did you find in the first season that, you know, points of concern, things that you thought were clunky, either with your gear, with your setup, with this with the system in whole as a whole? Mm-hmm. Um, what were some things that you would do differently? Maybe, you know, just a couple of things that you think are downsides or things that people should consider before making the plunge into learning how to be a saddle hunter. Right. So, man, I mean, there's, it's, it's hard. I mean, there was not to sound hokey, but there mm-hmm. was so many good things and positive things about it that I didn't dwell on things very much that I thought were, um, less than optimal because I didn't encounter, I didn't encounter a bunch of them. You know what I mean? Um, the, I think the one thing is just, you know, with any new method of, of hunting, you know, the, the con is that you're really having to try to like kind of relearn your approach again right because with a stand if you've been hunting out of a stand for a bunch of years it's like i know how to hang up all my gear it's like and i hang it up in a certain order every time i get into the tree you know what i mean it's like every time i get into a tree i hang it up in the exact same order it's a it's a process so getting into a saddle even though it's like i could hang stuff the same exact way it's just one of those things that it's just slightly different so it throws you off just a little bit at first mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so you just it was really just having to re kind of map my process to work the best in the saddle versus working in the tree. And once I did that, if like, if I climbed it back into a tree stand, it's like the same process worked for the tree stand. Um, so that was the, that was one of the only things for me that was probably like the biggest thing was just trying to like refigure out, um, refigure out, um, you know, how I was going to kind of get everything set up in the tree in a certain process so I could be as quick and efficient as and, and as quiet as I possibly could. Cause the saddle itself and hunting that way is super quiet. It's just, you know, me on my approach of being, a different approach, um, you know, caused me a little bit of, um, distress, distress at times. The only other thing that I really encountered, this was probably the only real, what I would say, quote unquote con. And it's not really, there's nothing. And I don't think anybody could have done about it, but you know, hunting in the rain in a saddle is something that's a challenge for me. Like in the, in a tree stand, like I'm usually pretty, pretty good. Um, I'll have a, you know, I'll have a, 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 a tree umbrella usually, but because I'm leaning back in the saddle, typically it's like, I have to try to figure out how to kind of configure it and lean it back. So I'm getting covered. If it's depending on how hard it's raining, it's like I wear rain gear too, but I'm trying to keep the rain off me as much as possible. Um, 
you know, so that was a little bit of a challenge because you're sitting up next to the tree and the water's running down the tree. So it's like, it's, you know, you're, it's just a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a challenge than it was with, with, with a tree stand. Um, then this, then at the same time, right after that rain, it got super cold and all my ropes froze on my walk to the stand. Like literally, <laughs> like, like literally I was walking to the tree stand. I got, I got my lineman's belt put on the winds ripping. It was like, I don't even know. It was probably like a 20 mile per hour wind. And it was probably like the high that day it was probably like 29 or something like that or 28. It was, it was stupid cold. Um, and I was climbing into the tree with my, lineman's belt and i was like all right cool getting in the tree good to go good to go and then i got up there i was like man this rope feels like it's freezing you know what i mean and i was all i was already kind of getting close to where i was going to tie off to set up my platform and uh when i went to do that i pulled out my my tether and i mean it was like frozen and i had to like unwrap it and trying to get it around the tree and trying to loosen it to get it to you know to get it to pinch on the tree so i could you know you know feel comfortable with getting a good bite with my ropeman one and stuff like that so that was the only thing was just because mm. you're relying so much on ropes for everything you know what i mean it's that you know it gets wet and then it gets cold and it freezes and then and that was the only set of ropes i had i had more back at my truck but i just didn't think about it um i was just i had to make it work you know what i mean so it took me a little bit to get the the rope to loosen up to where i felt comfortable you know tethering off with it knowing that the rope in one was going to work but at the same time i was like you know guys use the same gear for rock climbing they're rock climbing in places like everest and shit like that where it's like it's legit cold. Um, yep. and so if, if the gear is going to work under those circumstances, I feel pretty good about it. Um, but it's just, it, that was one of the downsides is that you're using something that if gets wet and then you hunt cold weather right after or whatever, you know, ropes can freeze and stuff like that, which can just cause you a delay or whatever the case might be. So that was really the only con that I encountered and it was literally only one day and I made it work. So it wasn't a, wasn't a big deal. That's actually a really good point. I, I've never thought of that before. I've not, encountered that problem um with with the tethered system being that i live in georgia and it never gets cold here so yeah uh, yeah that's a good point one of the cons that i always like to point out to folks is that it's not it's not readily accessible and easy to try you know if you want to try a tree stand and you got hunting buddies okay they all got tree stands you can go and try them out and you can get pointers from them and they can say hey you know this is how i use this how you do it safely you know yeah it's how you set it up yada 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 Mm -hmm. and on and on and on but that's not really um that frequently available to folks when you're learning how to saddle hunt you can't run down to bass pro or cabela's or gander mountain or walmart and pick up this stuff so the learning curve uh, it gets a little bit steeper when it's more difficult to try and there's not many people around to help. Yeah. Um, to me, that's always been the major con for saddle hunting because the other stuff like comfort and figuring out how it all works, that's all just learning curve. That's not yeah. really a con to me. That's just something you got to figure out on your own. Um, but the but the freezing ropes, that's a good point, man. I had not thought about that. Yeah, it's like I, I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't either until that morning I was climbing into the tree and I was like, son of a. You know, but, uh, yeah, it's not a big, it wasn't a big deal. It's like, you just kind of powered through it and, and figured out. And, you know, I got, I hunted that day just the same, you know, so it wasn't like it was, didn't keep me from hunting or whatever, but it was just, it made me, it, it just was something I had never encountered. Now, if I encounter it again, a second time, like then I'll, I'll kind of know, you know, what my process is, or if it rains, it's like, I'll kind of know that like, okay, I probably need to make sure I'm drying my ropes out instead of letting them you know, in my truck or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so stuff like that, just, you know, small learning, learning opportunity to figure out how to make it better for the next time. But as far as like the, the, you know, the con of like it not being readily accessible, but I think, you know, to spin it to a positive, 
is that um, the folks who do saddle hunt because it is a, a smaller tribe are more than willing to provide you with whatever information you need and pointers that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I know whenever I got my saddle, a buddy of mine, Tom was looking at, you know, was looking into getting, a, you know, a, a tethered setup. And so he was, he knew that I had just got one. So he, you know, gave me a call. I was like, Hey, what size was your saddle? He's, I'm like, Oh, told him what size it was. He's like, Hey, you know, have you hunted out of it yet? And I said, yeah, I hunted out of it, you know, already. He's like, what do you think? And I was telling him what I thought. And, you know, it was like, you know, this is, it was this much quieter. This is how I get in. This is like what I'm using for my setup and stuff like that. And so we just had a conversation about it. And then, you know, my buddy Chad from Exodus, I know he was getting into one too. And then we were hunting in Ohio together um and he was like hey he's like let me see your saddle like and so we it was one of those instances where we were together so he could put it on you know okay so um but so i think you know the the flip side of that yes is that you can't go to a big box store and get it but at the same time i will say there's two pros to that one when you're talking to guys and you're getting information like you're getting real honest reviews you're not getting you know some thing on like a site somewhere that bought you know 50 reviews you know i mean for you know from some like marketing thing Um, and then, you know, also what you're getting is you're getting quality that is not big box mass produced kind of non-tested or official, you know, officially, you know, user worthy, you know, garbage that you get at big box stores, you know what I mean? So it's like, you're getting it from guys, you know, and, and, you know, with you guys or just the saddle hunting companies in general that have a passion for it or making sure they're putting out the best product or testing it the right way and the, and the, and it's safe and it's stuff that they trust themselves with and they put their name on it. And so then, you know, you're getting something that's going to, it's going to work, do, do what it's going to say it's going to do, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, if I'm going to spin it and put a positive on it, that's kind of how I would think about it. Well, I really like that, man. It's a, it's a good, a good point And it's, it's worth talking about because I always preach the same thing, you know, that saddle hunter, yeah, the tribe is, one of the most helpful and welcoming tribes, yeah, I like that word, mm-hmm. um, that you'll find in the hunting community. I think it's really akin to like the beast hunting community. That's a really yeah. close knit group, and saddle hunting is is very much in the same vein. Is very helpful, very welcoming, yeah, and eager to eager to to help you help new folks learn the systems. Yeah, and you, what you find is like guys traverse both. You know, it's like I know guys who are like beast guys and I know and I know that they're also big into saddle hunting. And like and I've noticed like similar, like familiar names on both forums. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just it's one of those things where it's like if you really get boil it down to it, it's like it's hardcore hunters trying to find the most effective way to be the most effective predator they can be. You know what I mean? And some guys choose, you know, a mobile stand set up and some guys choose a saddle set up. But there's this common thread of mobile hunting, which kind of binds them all together. Um, I would just argue that in my experience, you know, the, the most effective way is, you know, is with a saddle, at least what I've found for me personally. Yeah. And I think with that, it's probably a good place to, to end my hosting, uh, uh, time yeah. on the, uh, the truth <laughs> from the saddle podcast and we can switch gears and talk about climbing methods or however else you wanted to proceed and and or uh i don't know we've been talking for about an hour i don't know if your listeners want to hear any more from me <laughs> i think they're i think they dig saddle hunting so i think we're i think awesome. we're okay and you did a and you did a fine job hosting the the uh, truth from the saddle uh truth from the saddle podcast so Woo-hoo. yeah that was uh that was good so i i was worried for nothing actually i wasn't worried it was all right <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank Greg for joining us. If you have any questions at all about saddle hunting, be sure to visit tethered.com. 
They have a great YouTube page or YouTube channel as well if you are looking for specific information around the Mantis Saddle or the Predator platform. You can also follow them or you should follow them on Instagram. Greg also has an excellent uh, outdoor channel or he has the G2 Outdoor YouTube channel that has a ton of saddle information. That's one of the places I go to or had gone to in the past to learn some stuff about saddle hunting. Um, it's great to read information, but I'm a visual learner. And if you're like me, um, if I see things, I can pick them up more quickly. So definitely check that out. Then also saddlehunter.com forum is a great place to go to find information full of a bunch of dudes that know their stuff when it comes to saddle hunting and are more than willing to help answer any questions that you have. So check that out as well. I'll of course put all the links to these uh, places or these uh, resources in the blog post show notes. And we of course like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It'd be super rad if you could do those two things for us. And before we shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout-out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. Wicked Tree Gear, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Tecamani Seed, Glacier Coolers, Ramcap Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.